Here's how the format works. I will ask these four people questions. They will give me answers. They will either earn a point, two points, Boom. or three points. We can also deduct a point if we don't like the sound of their voice. So let's start off with our first question, and it's all about this. The iPad is changing how magazine publishers reach their audience, and in the wake of last week's iBook and iBooks author news, Apple now seems to be targeting the education market. What industry should the iPad look to revolutionize next? Let's start off with the new guy, Jeff Carlson. I think it's really clear that Apple needs to focus, do a little bit of a pivot, and go for tattoo design. Because if you look at all sorts of different type, types of tattoos, they're really poorly done. But Apple also has a big uh, presence in China now. So they can incorporate something that will make sure that the, the characters that you're getting tattooed actually mean what you think they say. They Very good. Dan Frakes. I'm going to go with mattresses. Now, and the reason I say this is, is anybody who's shopped recently for a mattress, not, not a cheap IKEA one, but a good mattress, every store has different models. It's never clear which one cor you know, corresponds to one in another store. They have obscene prices that you never pay for. It's always like 60% off or 80% off. Um, and uh, I mean, the companies actually even name the same mattress differently for different stores so you can't comparison shop. So Apple needs to come in here and clean this up. You know, they're good at taking complex things, making them simple. Apple would have like two, three, maybe four mattress lines. They'd all be completely different than the others. It would be obvious which one would be for whom. Um, and uh, it would be obvious for you know what kind of sleepers would need what kind of mattress. And the price wouldn't be cheap, but it would be fair, and you'd know exactly what you were getting. You'd get good, reliable, reliable mattress for the money. That was a very thorough answer. Serenity. Well, I think we know there's one thing that everybody really, really hates that's on the web, and that is restaurant websites. And God, I mean, Apple just came out with iBooks author. There's no question why not. They don't have a, a restaurant website author or a restaurant app author. It gives you, say, you know, easy ways to online order with the 30% pay cut. But, you know, so many more people are going to be ordering online. It just makes sense. And on top of that, wissy wig editing. So if they want to go for, like, flashy substance and things like that, they don't have to use Flash. And we can finally have something on our iOS devices that we can use. Very good. There were three points total on that answer. So, Dan Morin, wrap it up for us. I'm going to be honest with you. My home is a pigsty. And that's because I don't like Boom. to vacuum. I don't like to wash my dishes. I don't like to wash my clothes. So, wouldn't it be, yeah. wouldn't it be great if, if Apple could really reinvent how we do all this by using our iPad to control our home appliances? Not only then could we figure out what's in the refrigerator and what I need to go and buy, but I'd like to see some interoperability between them. So my dishwasher, for example, could keep track of what I had for dinner that night and then talk with my washing machine to tell us how to get those pesky stains out of my shirts. Very good, everybody. We'll move on to the next question, and we're sticking with the education event. In unveiling the company's education initiatives, Apple Senior Vice President of Worldwide Product Marketing, Phil Schiller, touted the many advantages the iPad has over textbooks. Let's not let this assertion go unchallenged. Tell me one way a textbook is better than an iPad, Serenity. Well, I went to school, high school in Los Angeles, and while I don't necessarily, yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't necessarily like 
carrying 20 pounds, 30 pounds of books on my back. But I will say one thing. When I'm riding the subway or when I'm riding the train back to my house, it's a lot easier to cram for some homework or cram for a test going to school with a 40 pounds of textbooks than to carry an iPad and worry that it's going to get taken out of my hands by the first ex-con coming off the gold line from the central prison. Jeff Carlson. That's a good point, but I think Apple needs to kind of uh, incorporate textbooks into their current line because a, a paper textbook can lift up an iMac to eye level because there's no way you can do that Boom. without getting something under it. So you get the you know like the complete works of Shakespeare that you know elevates what you're learning and keeps you you know and if you tried to do that with iPads, it would cost you like two three thousand dollars to you know stack them all up. So very good, uh, Dan Morin. Let me ask you one question, Phil. Did you ever see Jason Bourne beat up anybody with an iPad? Yeah. Oh, that's short and sweet. That's it. Okay, Frakes. Well, since we both have daughters, I'm going for the sentimental points here. You can't dry and press flowers with your daughter with an iPad. Moving on. I work, or excuse me. You may have heard that Macworld Expo has a new name, Macworld iWorld. Since the Macworld Pundit Showdown is all about second-guessing the hard work of others, tell me, what new name would you have given the show Dan Morin? Well, I went through a lot of uh, option. You know, uh, you could drop the A and just have a Macworld. You could, uh, you know, appeal to the gamers who use iOS apps and have a Super Mario world. Uh, perhaps just a world of worlds. But in the end, I think we got to you know, look at what the, uh, what really that we're focusing on this year. And so apps are a big part of it. And I think you got that restaurant theme going on, so you can have an apps and zerts themes. Boom. And that is how you rack up way too many points on the Macworld Pundit Showdown, by, by having five different answers. Jeff Carlson. I would just call it Las Vegas and be done with it. Dan Frakes. I'm going to go with Mew World, the Greek letter Mew. It's techie. It's got M for Mac and Macworld in it, but really I got nothing here. Okay. Ren. Sadly, I have a serious answer. Uh, honestly, I like Macworld Expo. It's a storied name, and I, I think it has enough tradition that I'd like to keep it. But sadly, you know, I, we could add like a subtitle onto it. We could be like, for the Apple fan and all of us, or iOS and Mac lovers unite, or it's a post-PC world after all. <laughs> Let's be fair. No matter what the name, we're all going to come up with a shortened version anyway because we always call it Expo or Dub Dub instead of Dub Dub DC. So M Pipe I, while fun to type, is not really great. So I want to kind of keep with Expo and just steal a page from our people over on the, you know, European shores and go with just Apple Expo. Let's check the scores. After three questions, roaring out to a giant insurmountable lead, which will certainly be surmountable soon. Dan Morin with 11 points, Serenity Caldwell in second with eight, Jeff Carlson strong debut at five, Dan Frakes bringing up the rear with four points. And we move on. Now we'll talk about iWork, and it was last updated at this very conference three years ago. What's another tech product that's getting a little long in the tooth? Uh, let's start with Dan Frakes. I'm going to go with the uh, dedicated MP3 failure player, Phil. Um, there are still a few people out there with smartphones that don't play music, or phones that don't play music, but I think the writing's on the wall. 
the uh, days of carrying a separate device just to hear music are over. All right, Dan Morin. You know, uh, when I was in college, they talked about how this, this amazing invention would change the entire world. It would be built around it. That was the Segway. And you know, the Segway really hasn't been changed since that day. We still got two wheels. Um, there's no, it doesn't fly. Um, and we haven't redesigned the world around it yet. I think it's time for the Segway to really get the update that it so richly deserves. And when people drive by on a Segway, they still get pointed at and laughed at. And so. poor Steve Wozniak has not enough people to play Segway polo with. Yes, there you go. Extra bringing up Segway polo. Uh, Ren. Uh, well, there's one thing I really, really hate about my iPhone, and I otherwise love it, and that's SMS. And iMessage is a great Boom. alternative, but let's just go a step further. Let's abolish SMS on all cell phone platforms Boom. and just go with some kind of iMessage alternative, sometimes a VBM alternative. Just stop paying by the text. It's silly. And Jeff Carlson. Well, I was going to say ping because we've all been using ping so much. But um, actually, I would have to go to uh, iChat partially for this reason. Um, is that I want iMessage on my Mac. And it, if I could send text messages to other people's phones without having to dig out my own phone I'm, when I'm working on my computer, that would be great. So I think, I think iChat needs that and um, just a little bit of sprucing up and updating if people still use it. All right, our next question is all about this. And that is our symbolic representation of research in motion. It's uh, co-CEOs resigned over the weekend. Give me your plan for helping the troubled smartphone maker reclaim its mojo. Let's start with Jeff Carlson. The first thought was to shut it down and give the profits back to the shareholders. Maybe I'll just stick with that, then I won't. <laughs> okay. That's it, that's my answer. All right, from uh, let's go to, right next door to rent. Uh, I, I'm half Canadian, and I know we, you know, we have, come on, none of my hometowns get any love. All right, so we have a problem with committees, and RIM also has a problem with committees, so let's, let's stop the committeeing right here. And then, in addition, as a serious, like, on a serious note, I really want a RIM to go into its R&D department and say, all right, what are the five most ridiculous concepts that you have that you've worked on that you think are great. Give them to me, I'll pick two, and let's go to market. At the very least, it will be something interesting. It may not work out great, but it'll at least distinguish them on the market as something other than, oh, it's the only phone that still has keyboards. Dan Morin. Well, you know, it's a good thing they got rid of those two co-CEOs because I'm pretty sure the last time either of them actually had Mojo, it was when bell bottoms were still in style. Um, RIM still has a chance to save themselves. They just need to change one thing, and that's every single thing about their company. First, uh, and most important, hire some hardware designers, preferably some who have never used QWERTY keyboards. Um, get some uh, user interface guys who've used software that's been released since 1987. And most importantly, uh, the biggest thing they can do is move, it, move the whole operation to a real country. A lot of love for Canada here on the platform today. Let's move on to our next question. It is our golden envelope question. Match the answer that I, I have written. That, I take it that means that you just wasn't. I didn't hear a single word you said. I'm saying I'm just assuming you you thought I would just not score a point on that question, right? So you just decided. Did I not ask you? Oh. 
Dan, would you like to answer? Now it has uh, to be really good. Uh, it really I'll, has to be good. I'll pass. No. Um, well, I can forget my Canadian jokes. Um, hey, Phil, you've heard one Dan. You've heard them all. So the, the thing about, about RIM is that they've got basically two things. They've got hardware keyboards, and they've got email and messaging software. And they're, 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 they're already moving away from hardware keyboards, which is a huge strike against them. They're trying to come back with a new operating system that's like three years behind everything else. So they might as well forget operating systems. Really, the core thing for them is their email and messaging software. And I, I say they take it and turn it into a platform that works on all phones. Boom. See, that was well worth the wait. May I move on now, Dan? Are you satisfied with? I'm, I feel great. Okay. Thank you, Phil. It's our golden envelope question. You match the answer that I have written in this goldish inner office envelope. And you will get 10 bonus points, almost assuredly a place in the finals. And the question is this. This year, Jonathan Frakes, that's Commander William T. Riker of Star Trek The Next Generation, is among the luminaries attending Macworld iWorld. That got me thinking, which Star Trek character would be best suited for a leadership position at Apple? Let us start with the man I skipped the last time who shares a name with Jonathan Frakes. Dan Frakes. No, no relation. I'm going to go with Montgomery Scott, a.k.a. Scotty, and for, for a few reasons. First, he's an engineer, so he knows this stuff. Second, he's a problem solver. He never fails to find an interesting solution to a problem. Um, third, he's a master at inserting himself between people with big egos and hard-headed you know, hard personalities and finding a, a, a way through. And uh, he's been in charge several times on an interim basis, which we all know is a good sign. And uh, finally, when he's in charge of things, he kind of takes a paternal ownership role over it. It's his baby. And uh, I think Apple's always done best when that's who they've had. Outstanding answer. Ren. Uh, I don't know if it's somebody you'd pick, Phil, but I'm going to go with Pavel Chekhov. Because you know what? I'm sorry. Boom. Everybody's worrying about Apple's roadmap right now post-Sieve. And who better to define a roadmap than a navigator? You know, he's going to put people at ease. And if he can handle the navigation of a starship, he can certainly keep the leadership crew of Apple from tearing each other's heads apart. You know, you don't want Scott Forstall to get in tiff with Tim Cook. And I think Chekhov can lower the tensions a little bit. And maybe, you know, he can give a few tips to the iOS Maps team while he's at it. Also a strong answer, Dan Morin. Well, now that Apple has lost Senior Vice President Ron Johnson, who they need someone new to head up their retail operation. And what better person to do that than Deep Space Nine's Quark. He ran a successful business for several years. He uh, ventured out into a number of different commercial territories, made a lot of important contacts. He can always tap into the technical expertise of his brother, Rom. He ran a casino, great at making money, just like Apple. And most importantly, he provided some well-needed comic relief. Very impressive answers. Let's see if Jeff... Uh, Jeff... Jeff Carlson can keep the uh, streak alive. Well, I wanted to make Dan's head explode and say Han Solo. <laughs> but, and, and, but my next choice was, was also uh, pa Pavel Chekhov. Um, but I think maybe, um, maybe Riker, because uh, now that Steve Jobs is no longer uh, in the leadership team, there's a, a dramatic lack of beard. Uh, beards in, in the lineup. So, and you know, he, he has that kind of, uh, like, kind of smarminess that would work really well in one of the product videos. And he can play a trombone too. He can play a trombone. Yes. Well, the answer in the golden envelope is in fact Will Riker. 
So that is 10 bonus points to Jeff Carlson. Why Will Riker? Because he showed up today and 90% of life is showing up. So we'll add the bonus points to Jeff and we'll move on to our next question. We're now in our third year without Apple gracing our presence with a keynote. We're now in our third year of asking this question. If Tim Cook took the stage this week at Macworld iWorld... This is Tim. What would he be announcing? Let's start with Dan Morin. Uh, aside from the billions of dollars that Apple just made this past quarter? Yes, uh, aside from that. I think with uh, Macworld iWorld's renewed sort of focus on the arts and music, that this would be the perfect place to introduce some well-needed updates to Apple's creative programs like GarageBand and iMovie, and as, as long as we're in a parallel universe, updated versions of iWeb and iDVD. Jeff Carlson. If Tim Cook showed up here today, he would announce that his driver was fired. <laughs> and I think that on a, on a serious note, um, if this were the, the Macworld of a couple of years ago, he would probably be announcing an iPad because this was like the big uh, announcing event. Uh, and probably nobody at Apple would have gotten any sleep you know, over Christmas or anything. Dan Frakes. Yeah, I think he'd start out bragging in his Tim Cook kind of way about the Apple financials. This is Tim. He, he'd then talk about how many Mac users have updated to Lion. Then he'd say how many people have signed up for iCloud. Then he'd, uh, he'd finally, hopefully, in this alternate universe, um, announce a new Mac Pro. But it wouldn't be shipping for like five months. Um, and then at the end, he'd do, he'd do his best one more thing, impersonation of jobs, and talk about the iPad 3. Thank you to Dan Frakes for recreating the entire keynote. Uh, Ren, I believe you have not answered. I have not answered. Uh, and my answer would actually be, since again, Tim Cook and Apple hasn't shown up here for a couple of years, so if they were going to come back and present at Macworld Expo, I think they'd be like, you know what, we have this $90 million sitting in the bank. Is it million? Is it billion? It's a lot of money sitting in the bank. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to buy Moscone. And we're going Boom. to turn it into a giant Apple store dedicated just to OS X and iOS developers. We're going to have creative sessions. It's like a WWDC except the entire year. Because we love our developers. We love that they're making billions of dollars a year for both us and them. And we want to give back. That really is an alternate universe. I like that universe, Dan. Let us go to the scoreboard. Dan Frakes. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't even want to read your score because I, I may have miscalculated because it's so pathetically behind everyone else. Serenity Caldwell has 21 is in, and is in, in third place. Uh, Dan Morin has 26 points. Jeff Carlson, with his 10-point bonus, is in first place with 27. Let's keep moving it's on. It's just the bonus. Speaking of Apple keynotes at Macworld's past, assuming that the 2007 unveiling of the iPhone was the greatest keynote announcement ever, what's your choice for the second best expo announcement from Apple? Dan Frakes, you need to make up some points. Blow me away. All right, it may not have been the best then, but in retrospect, I'm gonna say the uh, 2000 introduction of Mac OS X. It was a lot of then. But um, if you think about it, it was the first step towards the new Apple. And uh, now you got to think about the fact that the, the OS introduced that day, some variation of it runs on hundreds of millions of devices between OS X, iOS, um, it runs iMacs, MacBooks, MacBook Pros, 
iPads, iPod Touch, um, even the Apple TV. So in retrospect, I think that was probably the most significant one. Very good. Uh, Dan Morin. Well, it's, it's awfully hard to choose, but if I had to pick one, I would go with Macworld Expo in New York in 1999. Now, this was just a great show because it started out with Noah Wiley famously doing his impression of Steve Jobs. But there were also some great technical products. We had the announcement of Airport, um, which I believe saw as a demonstration Phil Schiller jumping off a tall, uh, tall like uh, platform, holding an iBook and remaining connected all the way down. And you know, really, is it anything more fun than watching Phil Schiller jump off things? Finally, there was also the uh, announcement of this great exclusive game coming to the Mac called Halo. And man, I am still waiting for that. Uh, Ren. Uh, so my favorite Expo announcement actually comes one year earlier than that, and that's 1998 with the introduction of the very first iMac. Boom. Now, my parents have owned Macs since I was 18 months old, and there's a picture of me with a tiny Mac, but the iMac, the Bondi Blue iMac, was my first computer, and it is the first computer that I owned. I pestered my dad after that keynote every single week by accidentally leaving the Apple website open, saying, Maybe you could get this for my birthday. And then the week that it showed up, I locked myself in the room with the Mac. And it was a lovely, lovely time. Jeff Carlson, can you match that lovely memory, heartwarming memory? I can't match anything heartwarming. My, the, the, the snarky side of me was uh, the, the Gil Emilio Endurance Keynote Marathon, uh, where they were waiting for Steve Jobs and, and Steve Wozniak to arrive. And I think, if I remember correctly, Steve Jobs, in intentionally waited and waited and waited and made Gil Emilio come out so he could come out and then sneer at the 20th, uh, 20th anniversary Mac. Uh, so th that was, that was a, 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 a cherished memory. Memorable, sure. Yeah, but, but I think in terms of products, um, the, and I can't remember the year right now, but the, the year that they announced the Titanium PowerBook G4, because before, you know, the laptops were kind of, still kind of big, I mean, the, the, the PowerBook G3s were, uh, you know, black and slick and kind of looked like a Porsche, but this was just like, like this nice little slab of titanium. And I have to admit, uh, when they put up the little TI symbol, um, when he was sort of teasing, I think I might have said, titanium, uh, loud, and, and like not really intending, and uh, I was a little caught up in the moment, so I'm retroactively embarrassed. We give extra points for embarrassment on the Macworld <laughs> Pundit Showdown. Uh, we've all answered? I'm looking at Dan Frakes because I tend to skip him over. Moving on. In a little more than a week, the New England Patriots and New York Giants will face off in Super Bowl 46. Since, <laughs> since this is a rematch of 2008 Super Bowl 42, I'd like to know what blast from the past in the tech world you'd like to see make a similar comeback. Ren looks like she wants to talk about sports. Sure, why not? I love sports. Well, until 2010, I was wishing for an update to the Newton, but, you know, now we have that. So uh, one of the computers I had growing up was a PowerBook Duo uh, with a Duo dock in it. And the actual computer was small and limited, but when you put it into the Duo dock, you basically had the power of a full-form computer. Now on the desktop side, you kind of have that with the MacBook Air and the Thunderbolt display, but I would actually like something similar for the iPad, where you have a Bluetooth keyboard for the iPad, you have some people who are making keyboard cases and things like that, but I would love for Apple to go one step further and have like an integrated case that connected to your dock connector where you had the keyboard and then you also had like a USB port for all of these new microphones that are coming out and awesome. any necessarily things that you want to plug in. 
And I mean, the iPad is really, the iPad is great on its own, but sometimes you need it with a computer or with a, with a keyboard. You need it to perform a few more advanced computer functions. Jeff Carlson. I was trying to think of like really old technology and because you mentioned some sporting event here, I thought, ah, you know what'd be cool? Those LED football games. And then I realized it's already here. So um, I think that uh, I think that I would just oh the the Kerbango, which never actually made it to market. If anybody remembers the the Kerbango, it was this uh, like internet radio, but it was a device all of its own. And uh, so you're suggesting a comeback for a product that never existed. Yes, I'll allow that. Boom. Dan Frakes. I'm going to dedicate this one to Serenity, and that is the stylus. And I don't mean the scores of rubber and brush tip things that we have for the iPads. I mean um, the pen tip stylus, like the ones we had for the Newton and the E-Mate and the Palm Pilot. Um, and I know I do agree with Steve Jobs that if you require a stylus, you blew it. But there are plenty of times that I actually want to do real writing on my iPad screen. You know, like and um, there are lots of great um, handwriting recognition apps out there that work well if you can write on your screen, but right now, there's nothing good for writing on your screen, so. And Dan Morin. You know, uh, like Jeff, I think I went sort of back in time and thought about it a little bit. You know, I was tempted to say modems, because it's, you know, you connect to the internet these days, it's just way too quiet. Uh, and I think that the kids today are getting raised with, you know, believing that it's just all, it's, you're just always connected. But no, it used to be hard. But uh, I actually, I was going to throw back to, uh, does anyone remember the handspring visor? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, have I, owned it. I, I had one of those in 2000. That was great. It was, a, it was a PDA that was based on the OS, and it had a little expansion slot in the back, and you could plug different things in, like a modem or, I don't know, like a credit card swipe, a credit card swipe. I don't know. It was all these crazy little add-ons. and I, I loved that idea. I never got a single thing to put in that expansion port, but, man, I was in love with my Palm Pilot. And I think they should make it, to just to, to update it, they should turn it into an actual visor like Jordi LaFleur. At least one of the points he got there was for using the phrase, the kids these days. Let's uh, keep moving on to our penultimate question. Just this week, Apple announced another uh, quarter with record profits, record sales. What was, the most impart, uh, what was the most impressive part of Apple's holiday performance, and how does the company keep the good times rolling into 2012? Dan Morin. You know, I think the most impressive part was how the iPhone 4S was such a disappointment. Um, Boom. Clearly, everybody was waiting for the iPhone 5, and so what Apple will do to keep things rolling is introduce the iPhone 5 next year, uh, and it'll be a brand new iPhone with a totally new exterior, and it will make everyone who already bought an iPhone 4S rush out to buy an iPhone 5, thus immediately creating a huge rush of new sales. Um, in addition, you know, I think that works pretty well for Apple, so they'll just keep rolling out new versions of their products, like an iPad 3, uh, a new Apple TV, and if the last several years are any indication, then a new version of their online service. Jeff Carlson. I have to say, the most impressive was the, the Apple TV number. For this nice little hobby, Boom. they sold, I think, 1.4 million in the quarter. And th th those are numbers that any company would die to have. Like the, the, uh, the shoot, what, the, I, I'm spacing, the HP tablet. Touchpad. Touch the touchpad. They got like, you know, Point to Frank's for helping out his Thank his you, friend. yes. The, the, I wanted to say playbook, and that was just wrong. Uh, they were all wrong. So, point off to Carlson for mentioning the playbook. <laughs> Never admit you're wrong. Point off to Carlson for continuing to speak. 
But I thought that was that was impressive, and because there's so much more that can be done with it. Um, in terms of uh, uh, what to do in the next year, uh, I think Apple should continue to aggressively not listen to anybody who says what they should do. Uh, Dan Frakes, would you like to give your own answer or continue giving Jeffs? I can do both. I'll help you out. <laughs> um, I'm going to just say, for what for the most impressive thing was just the sheer immensity of the profit. Um, their Boom. profit in quarter one 2012 was equal to the entire revenue of the same quarter two years ago. And, uh, and I saw this online yesterday that it, it was more than the entire company's market cap just eight years ago. That's pretty amazing. In terms of what they should do to keep going, it's to, um, to enthusiastically encourage pundits to keep calling their products disappointing. Boom. And Serenity. There are a lot of really impressive numbers that were given at that financial call. Uh, on the retail side, the fact that there's $6.1 billion that quarter of Apple retail, 22,000 visitors a week, both of those are incredibly crazy numbers. But the thing that really struck me on the financial call was when they brought up that on Christmas Day, they had 140 million downloads of apps. So assuming that every single one of those people were brand new iOS users and they all downloaded an average of about 25 apps, that's 5.6 million iOS devices unboxed and downloaded apps from on Christmas Day alone, which is mind-boggling. Uh, in terms of how Apple can keep that going, I mean, it's just about releasing more iOS devices in the coming year. I can't wait to see what comes next after iOS 5. Hopefully an update to Maps, hopefully an update to some certain things, fine tooling notification center. But uh, really, I mean, they, they are on a good path, and I, I salute them. And we're to our last question, and I don't want to put any pressure on you, Dan Frakes. I don't think it's a possibility for me to catch But you need to, you need to blow us out of the water here with this question. From Apple's education announcements to all the great content at Macworld iWorld, there's a lot to talk about at this week's show. But what will we be talking about at the 2013 edition of the Macworld Pundit Showdown? It's a trick question. We're not being asked back next year. But if we were, Frakes, what would we talk about? So I need like 20 points on this question, you're saying? Yes. Um, I'm going to say we are going to be talking about Apple's all-in effort in home entertainment. And by Boom. that I mean, instead of calling the Apple TV a hobby, we're going to see Apple making a uh, big moves into getting its gear into your family room. Um, and whether that's by expanding the capabilities of the Apple TV um, uh, and making an actual Apple TV, like all these rumors say, or if it's just letting iOS apps run on the Apple TV, which a lot of us have been asking for for several years. Um, but at any, in, in, however it happens, I think Apple is really going to be gunning this year for a spot in your entertainment center. Um, and rather than just being a device on one of your inputs, they want to be the input, the thing that you turn on when you turn on your TV. Serenity. Well, I think it's going to be very similar and very different. We're definitely going to be talking about Apple's financials and commenting on it. There's probably going to be an idiotic pundit that had some kind of crazy phrase, and we're probably all going to be laughing over that. We're going to be talking over probably new Apple products. We're definitely going to be talking about iCloud because, as Tim said in the financial call, you know, it's their strategy for the next 10 years. Uh, we'll probably be talking about OS X sandboxing since that's set to go in effect this year. Uh, and generally, I think we're hopefully going to be talking and making jokes because otherwise, who would ever listen to us? Dan Morin. You know, Phil, we're, we're going to be talking about a lot of things in 2013. For example, how did Johnny Ives support that luxurious new head of hair? Uh, we're going to be talking about Tim Cook's new catchphrase. This is Tim, suckers. 
And uh, most importantly, I think, like, like Dan Frake suggested, we're going to be talking about Apple's move into the living room. And I think a big part of that is not just going to be the device platform, but the deals that they make with content providers to bring that, that, all that great television movie content to us. Will we see like a TV subscription service that will compete with something like a Netflix or a Hulu? Uh, I think that's the next big frontier that Apple has yet to conquer since they've already, they're in our pockets and they're on our desks as they're going to be in our living rooms. Very strong answers. Uh, Jeff, wrap it up for us. Well, I think we'll definitely be talking about how the iPad 3 was such a disappointment because it didn't offer you know, the, all the tens of different uh, features that people expected. But even though a lot of time will have passed, I think we're still going to be talking about when the former RIM co-CEO showed up at uh, Infinite Loop, drunk, yelling, belligerent, having chewed through their restraints. Oh, wait, that wouldn't actually happen in real life, would it? Let's recap the scores as we add them up on the fly. Um, a very strong showing at the end there, Dan Frakes. You uh, finished in last, but a noble last with 33 points. Serenity Caldwell in third with 35 points. In joint first place with 39 points. Dan Morin, Jeff Carlson. They will square off in our final wow. for Defend the Indefensible. Here's how it works. I am going to read a statement. It is not a very good statement. It is possibly the worst thing you will ever have heard. But you have to defend it for 20 seconds. You cannot uh, hedge your defense. You have to defend it with, with enthusiasm. So, Jeff Carlson, as the new guy, would you like to go first or second? I would like to go second because that, I'm petrified. That is a very wise choice. Let me give this question to Dan Morin. Are you ready, Dan? Oh, I'm ready. When I say I, I mean you. Last week's education press conference proves that Apple should hire actors to portray its executives at product launches. Phil, not only should they hire actors, they should take it a step further. They should make actors their executives. Because what makes a company better than great-looking personalities, full of smiles. It doesn't really matter about the products. It's just how you project an air of confidence. And by hiring actors to actually be their executives, not only do they stand a chance of making a bunch of money, but they stand a really good chance at the Oscars next year. Awesome. Thank you very much and finished right on time. All right, Jeff. Big mountain to climb. Yeah. Again, when I say um, I, I mean you. Do I get the same question? No, no. Ow. All right. With Microsoft scaling back its role at CES, I hope this show wises up and invites Steve Ballmer to give the keynote at next year's Macworld iWorld. Oh, absolutely Steve Ballmer should be here for, for, for iWorld. Because there's really not a very strong sweat quotient at this show. It's a, you know, it's, it's a pretty good group of people, mostly bathed. And I, I think that's very important. But also, we don't have like a good screaming quotient. We need somebody who's just up there, fired up, willing to scream about pretty much anything he thinks is important, whether it is or not. Awesome. That is terrific. Very good for your first time. Let us turn to the audience to decide our winner. Between Dan Morin and Jeff Carlson. I believe Jeff Carlson has more adequately staffed the audience with cronies and suck-ups. Jeff Carlson is our winner. Yay! And it just leaves me to thank you, Jeff Carlson, you, Dan Warren, you, Serenity Caldwell, you, Dan... Whoever
whoever I haven't thanked on stage. And you, the audience, thanks very much. This has been Thank you, audience. the Macworld Pundit Showdown. Thank you.